uh, as much as we've we've begged calf we suggested we've convinced them to make the afcon a summer tournament i guess sometimes uh african leaders or african retreaters have a way of getting in the back but like the saying goes it's still our own we must find a way to push it like we have to celebrate the tournament even though i'm a bit disappointed with the whole the the pr the hype behind it like the whole hazards like but nothing really surprises me anymore like it's actually scarf and a lot of things can go wrong um but nonetheless the afcon is here it starts this weekend and what is in about nothing podcast without discussing the afcon um I prob- i'm not definitely not flying solo this night please yeah and clearly, I have good news. I super sports to be showing the Afcon. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think for what I heard, I think what I heard was Saturn was had gotten exclusive rights to it, and I think Saturn was announced it not so long ago. So, if you are reporting that super sports, I mean, just it, I feel like we're, back, we're probably back to that category of I don't know what's happening. But Saturn has basically announced that. Yes, I announced it last week after Super Sports announcement. But there was an announcement I think two days ago or so by Super Sports that after all is well I end all is well that ends well. And yeah, like um Easter blog will write a caption. Nigerians dance on the streets as NCA also announced they will be showing AFCO. <laughs> well at least I the forward like showing up on a free to air. I think the downside is that it's empty. Basically, if you can see anything that's happening on screen, it's good luck. I just wish you don't show it the way they showed the Nigerian Premier League. That would be, that would be absolutely disastrous. But, um, I mentioned the AFCON at the beginning. I, I think it's right that we just dive into it because as much as we're not other reports, we're not overly excited about the fact that it continues to happen in January. Still, our tournament, and we must find a way to celebrate it, focus on it. It's, it still offers some of the best football. Like growing up, I remember having to watch Afcon on free to air Nigerian TV, and a tournament that has lived and lived and lived with us for so long in this continent. So, there's nothing we can do about it. And when you look at it, seems like African football has really gone up a notch because when you look at the quality of players that are going to be on show at the tournament. It's hard for you not to get excited, Queen. Oh, yeah, it definitely has not to get excited. And also, I think another sign of how um, African football, especially African national football, come along with the state of the competition of the tournament itself. But since Egypt in 2008, no host nation has won there, which is wow. an astonishing fact. Because previously, it was almost like a guarantee that at least the host nation will get to start. So now it seems like there's a gap region in all countries. Like some teams are proper. Like you can say that okay, there's a tactical direction of a lot of things. Now things like seems like Namibia, Nigeria, Kenya. By seven years ago, it, they never played the direction. Now they have pro- proper game plan, which which makes the fact that it's not just the big teams that you can have. In Africa, it's never the big teams that you can have. All the now, as I'm finding passes, four passes currently, as well as narrative, so which is very, very. It's not even about like if we, if we 
look at it, the Egyptians didn't even dominate based on home soil or not. Like, for a while, the Egyptians were dominant of the Afghanistan. It just looked like, oh, all, all they needed to do was show, and they would find a way to get it done. And, and what made it fascinating at that period was, it was a team that was com- comprised majorly, like, or should I say more than 50% of the team would, were based in Africa. Like, and for some reason, it didn't matter whether other countries had all the the, the, the drug bars or the stars of the uh, playing in Europe and stuff like that. The Egyptians just showed up that time and they were like, yeah, where's our tournament? Let's take it and go home. Yeah, like three years in a row, they won it and they won it comfortably. It's not even that they won it comfortably. I think in those two days, they beat every other big team. They beat Algeria, mm-hmm. they beat Nigeria, they beat Nigeria, they beat Senegal. They basically went around. They basically went among the heavyweights and smashed all of them. I think a bigger, a big sign of how the game started to develop them was that after those three three wins in a row, they didn't qualify for the next team. Which is the more competitive as well. So I think that's where even from that even from where the development started. So, and now it's not a guarantee for anyone anymore. Like, no matter how, it's not even a guarantee for you. Tournament. Like if you can win your first three games, the first four games, and then you get to the quarter final, then something happens that you go up. There's no, there are no safe bets in this tournament anymore. Which is something everybody loves because in Afcon, there's almost the saying of you don't break that one. Basically, it's you, your goalkeeper, and your god. Like there's no, there's no, there's no coming here. I'm a Premier League winner. That's you're going to see all kinds of players. You, suddenly, you see players that you've never heard their names before defending for their lives or fighting for every position. And you're wondering, I don't know this dude. Why is he suddenly running after Mosala like Mosala owes him money? Like, you watch for like four years or so, you watch Morocco. Like, every time Morocco comes, this is the best team. Like, Morocco comes to the Union's Belanda. Like, Belanda was dominating. As bad as France, mm-hmm. Story, in France, and when Belanda will come to Afcon and they will lose to Cape Verde and Togo, and they Morocco will go after three games, I'll be like, ah, how did this happen? Like, what is going on here? It was incredible. Because uh, even the last one, I think in 2021, if I'm not mistaken, or was it early 2022? Early 2022. Early 2022, where we played. Um, Nigeria won the first game against Egypt, convincing like three good games. I'm. I think I saw the first time of the game against Egypt. I didn't bother again with the tournament. People were like, oh, this Nigerian team is outstanding. Um, we should have sacked them on Troy a long time. I'm like, hmm, type down. Let's just slow down. Let's slow down. And next thing you know, they faced Tunisia and Toronto City. And they could barely must have two shots on target. Like, they faced a Tunisia team that qualified as one of the third best teams with three points. Mm-hmm. We had one shot on target. And we went like, like, there's no logic. Like, Gala were knocked out of the tournament at Kumuros. I don't think Kumuros had ever played in the tournament of that young student. It's just beautiful. Um, obviously, there are six groups. And when we look at the groups, starting from the group A, we have every coast, the hosts who have done an outstanding job. They report that they built about four new stadiums. Like, the stadiums look beautiful. They've been, so far, we've not had a negative report of people that have traveled to 
in terms of covering the tournament and the players like there's a lot of excitement building safety seems to be on point and even on the field of play the Avoyers have a lot to look forward to like they can boost up an attack that has players like Nicolas Pepe, Simon Adjengra of Brighton, Sebastian Heller, Jonathan Bamba, Jeremy Boga of Nice, Karim Konate of Salzburg even in midfield, you have Seko Fofana who plays in Saudi Arabia but was absolutely outstanding for Lens last season. There's John Michael Seri, there's Frank Kessie, there's Brian Sangari of um, Nottingham Forest, there's um, Kusuno in, in, in their back for Evan Indica of Roma, Usman Diomandi is absolutely outstanding for sports in Lisbon. There's Wilfred Sangu of AS Monaco. Like, the Everest are not just some random groups. Like, on paper, they look like they have the squad to go as far as it gets. Oh yeah, it, it, it definitely looks like it because their squad is so like packed. Like um, the man, the coach Luis Garcia could afford to just to not deal with refers that inconsistency. Like he could afford to drop him. Mm-hmm. Just drop him like, that's how I think we think about Yeah. And I think on like twenty twenty two every coast are they are at home. So I think they are familiar to. Hello? Yeah, go on, Amuchi. Okay, okay. They are familiar to. In 2022, as well, they started generally very well. Like, they were doing the state of a wonderful body. And they smashed the Algeria in the group stage. So they got to the round of 60 and they lost the penalty. So I feel like, to an extent, that was, that was like giving like experience to lose them because. As talented as this squad is, when they came to the Twins and tournaments, they had not they had not really played together. I think now they have they have a year under the belt and they have at least three years under the belt now as a team. And their players are very, very flexible initially. Like in defense, and Yomande, Kutune, Songo, just look at those players can play full back and center back. So you can even back three or back four or even back five. Look how that that flexible that team is. So and you have a team that can decide to play on the break or decide to dominate play. I I kind of feel like they are probably at least top two favorites for this tournament. And I'll be a bit surprised if they don't get to a far semi-final for the semi-final. Um the Everans I I uh, find themselves in the not so easy group because they're stuck with Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea and then Guinea Bissau. And obviously the Nigerians are no slouches. They're the 2013 champions. Might have an imbalanced team, and but they have a lot of firepower to play with. But the sad part for Nigeria now is Victor Boniface is obviously out um, due to injury. Teremofi is no slouch either. He plays for OGC Nice and he plays really well for Nice. Like I was surprised he didn't even make the court initially because of the kind of firepower we have. And it, obviously, not rest on Osime. But it just seems like everything. If anything is going to go well for the Nigerians in this tournament, the attack has to be on point every time. You might we might find results whereby Nigeria is playing 4-3, 5-4, 4-2, and stuff like that. If they are going to be successful in this tournament. Yeah, it looks that way. But I'm genuinely I'm quite kind of worried for Nigeria in this tournament because you can't 4-3 or 4-2 your way towards a trophy. Seven games in knockout mm-hmm. football. They're going to be games where going to be tight. And Nigeria's biggest weakness is our defense and goalkeeper. Because for the past 
basically since 2015 we have not we have not settled on we have not had any kind of reliable goalkeeper we've not settled on any we don't have a settled defense and our best midfielder is because the division is injured and we'll make it sermon. so it seems like and the problem also is that the Peru is a very forward going coach it's 4-2-4 no matter what happens if they are playing mm-hmm. South Dome they are playing every coach so the problem is if you meet a stronger side not just willing to defend that can also attack the spaces behind behind our fullback. We are going to be in big trouble. So I don't know if he's going to decide to change that formation now. I was um I don't think it was easy going to change it despite the due to bonuses because it's to bring someone in more or someone else plug and play and move on. I won't be surprised if if we get knocked out early because it seems like a lot of stuff is going on in that team and nothing is starting besides the attack which is which is like we are the most probably most top everything that's all about the attack it's is not very it's not in the world like probably in the world yeah, because i think we have every kind of striker and we have no kind of defender with so it, just, it feels like our team is lopsided in one, in one area and it is not the area that we can afford like to, like um, struggle our way through the tournament. Like, for instance, in 2016, you look at Euro 2016 and Portugal. Portugal is a very good defensive So it doesn't matter. They could play 0 0 for extra time, three games, and get to the, get to the final win. We can't, we can't afford to have five games. That's our problem now. That's score. That's basically, our game has to be our score the opposition, our score the opposition. If you can't score the opposition, that's when the problem comes. And that, and before we came on air, there's reports that Sadiq Umar um, used to say that striker has picked up an injury and perhaps for three weeks. That's basically after the tournament. And it's probably too late to pick up a replacement now. You're wondering, okay, the injury seems to be piling up and this is not going well for Nigeria. But all in all, in a group that has Ivory Coast, Equatorial Guinea, and um, Guinea-Bissau, you would expect, at least you would expect the Nigerians to finish second. Then what's come to worst, like maybe there's a disaster, at least get the third, third loser's place. Yeah, like, honestly, even the third loser's place, if you get the third loser's place, you go to the disappointment. I don't think we should be finishing less than second. But it's Guinea-Bissau and Guinea. It is not even open the we are much better than those so that thing. If we play um, the game, the problem is okay. if we start doing that in this tournament, like even if we get out of our group, once we start doing that, I think it's a sign that the matter what happens. Um, on to Group B where you have Egypt, Ghana, Cape Verde and Mozambique. Um, on paper you would expect that Egypt and Ghana win the group because the Egyptians, this is not just the case of okay we have Mosala and all of us go to Salah. They have a few players to watch out for in attack because um, Mustafa Mohamedou plays for Nantes in France, has started the season on fire before some injuries and situation kicked in. A lovely striker to play then. Uma Mamouche of Itran Frankfurt is another exciting, exciting player. For those that have followed the Bundesliga, he joined Frankfurt um, 
on a free transfer from Wolfsburg and has been outstanding for them. And the Bishops will believe that, okay, look, the, their strength has always been strength in numbers, the unity that they have. There's never been a case of, oh, look at all the players we're bringing to this tournament. Look at the good players and the few great ones that are going to this tournament because our unity. And when you consider the fact that Kevin and Mozambique in the group, the teachers would look at it as okay, the result against Ghana probably determines who wins the group. Yeah, I think Egypt are the standard team in this group. And mostly, but partly because they've, um, they've moved on from the tactics. No, 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 now they are, they, they are much more forward in this Most of the strength they have in attack now is Salah, Mamush, Mohamed, and Trezeguet as well. So it's, there's more variety to that team. And I think they will probably be the most motivated side this one because I wouldn't say they are like last year's Salah here, but I think this is the, the best players they have in that team. They are in Japan. Mm-hmm. Salah is the one now. Trezeguet is dead. Like, it feels like this is like before, like like in terms of the marginal results. Um, for Ghana, I'm not even that confused about Ghana because over the past, since Cruz joined, it's really really struggled to struggle. And it was supposed to struggle. change. It was supposed to change yeah, like, the entire thing about Ghana. Like it was supposed to be this new change agents for the entire national team set up and so far it's beginning to look like oh i wish i were not going to go back to the ultimate and bring in otoadu yeah at this point in the kind of look that because it's not just the fact that they are struggling school it's fact that they're struggling schools and they look suspect in terms of um, goalkeeper situation it seems like they don't really know who is first choice and i think what one good thing they have for them is going to produce because produce from is undeniable and which is which is which is something they need because every other player in attack has kind of been disappointing for them. In the past, I don't know how many months, whether are you terrible um in Akewilians the converted from Spain to National to Ghana, he has hardly has hardly offered anything. So it seems like a lot relies on more I think Ghana with the Ghana should get out of this group. I don't think they are going to repeat the twenty twenty two because unless they want like a an FA disaster. <laughs> I don't think they get, the quarter, they get beyond the quarterfinal. I think quarterfinal is best. Um, so one of the toughest groups in this tournament is Group C because when you have Senegal, Cameroon, Guinea, and Gambia national team in one group, all that scores for is okay. This is going to be exciting because the Senegalese are, are defending champions and. Looking at their roster, you're wondering, oh wow, they actually got better on paper. They still have the same manager, they have the same core. Yes, you can argue that players like um, Kulibali are getting older, Manny, 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 yeah, Manny is getting older, Chekukuyaki has gotten older. But when you look at players like Bulaidia, who has been very, very impressive for Salinitana and almost changed my Wolves last summer, um, Uman Njai of Marseille has been an excellent signing from Sheffield for Marseille. Ismail Asar, fantastic winger for Marseille as well. Yes, Nicholas Jackson has a way of deceiving Chelsea fans, but every time you watch him play, and he's before he joins Chelsea, there's a lot of promise there, and he'll be hoping to do it. And in midfield as well, prepping the actor, there's a young Pape Matasa of Spurs, there's a young Pape Gay of Marseille. Like, 
the Senegalese have still, despite the fact that the squad is aging, there's still a blend of young players willing to take over from the aging ones. And it's hard to look beyond, okay, can you really bet against them? Yeah, like that's the best because it's not only the fact that I didn't I wouldn't even say like aging party. I think the fact that this squad is has a mix, a proper mix of experience and youth now. Because for instance, if you look at the attack, there's money, like there was the attendance, really money there is coming in. The midfield has gay has gay gay and who are experienced so you have younger youth players like Matasa and Lamin Camera. And one special thing for Senegal is that they won that kind of tournament. Like that, that is like that's like a proper load of their back. Because since they won that tournament, they won physically everything else. They won that tournament. They won They won football. It's like the entire nation now is, has become equipped to win. So it's all things things are definitely going to be looking up for them. Especially in the fact that a lot of their key players are playing outside um, yeah. media schools in Saudi Arabia. So like mm-hmm. there's no like. There's no spotlight on the next game It feels like it's, it very feels like the way it's still for them, despite some of the players getting in the wrong sort of thing. Um, if um, Cameroon is, is less certain because there have been rumors of discontent around the Gubertson that's that literally been questions about him, especially the fact that it wasn't really one to get to work. Basically, the only thing he did was them to the play, um, manage those two players and they made a way mm-hmm. to get and it feels like that entire squad kind of questionable because after the World Cup there was a fallout with Nana when he left and when he kind of temporarily retired uh, brought him back now he said he's probably going to be available for the game anyway like I, I, don't, I don't understand the idea of because before I know that for a fact that I, know, I remember when it was in traumatic or so if an African player refuses a call-up for the AFCON, you are not going to play. FIFA is going to ensure that you do not play throughout the AFCON tournament goes on until the end. Because even your club that you're refusing to go for, you will be absent completely. You're just watching on the sidelines. So, but now, Onana can decide and say, oh, no problem, I'll show up after the first game. And I'm wondering, you might as well not go for the tournament. Because it's tournament football. It's not as if you have 38 games and you have missed one. We have three group games that were, that were guaranteed and you decided oh the first one is not important because i really want to stay in go for a, a struggling team yeah i think what even makes that more ridiculous is the fact that they are like you know it kind of goes through his first one is if if one is Cameroon's first choice if okay if the second choice for which i presume going to be a pass if the pass does your defense another comes in after the game after time, and then you throw him in there's the risk of running the room hammond. That's one. Second thing is that if Onana is not your first choice group and he's and he's doing this oh uh out um my other one to stay for one, uh, one game the day before our tournament starts I also want to say, why take him at home? There's no point. Like at this point, those days will drop in. And like put him out of the national frame company. Because it feels like it's a very, very confusing situation and a very, very ridiculous one like that. Both on the part of Cameroon, Onana, it just feels like it doesn't make any sense. Because it's not like Onana is a little bit of a minor. You have three. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And now, because the Cameroonians, Mr. Abubakar is part of the squad, Clinton and G, 
since they won the tournament back in 2017, they haven't really lit up the, Af- the, Af- the African scene. Because uh, when you look at the squad on paper, there are players like Carl Tokwe, Kambi, George Kudu, Clayton Nji, Frank Andre Zambo, and Giza of Napoli. There are a few quality players here and there, but the entire core of the team, you can't look at the team and go, oh, and when you consider the fact that um, Brian Bremo's injury is a big, big hit for them. Like, it was the way he had played for Brentford this season, would have added a lot of options going forward for them. It's hard to see how they would go far, but in a group like this, they will still fancy their chances. But you're, you're facing against, you're facing against, a, you're playing against a Guinea side that can boost Mohamed Bayou of Le Havre in, in France, formerly he's on, on loan from Lille. Um, the, one of the hottest strikers in Europe is Seoul Girassi. Um, Nabi Keita in midfield, Amadou Diawara in midfield, um, Siduba Sise. Like, even even on paper, even the Guineans look like, okay, we have the quality to compete. Yeah, Guinea definitely does have the quality to compete. With the way they are set up. And, and if you look at that, there's always a favor with Cameroon national team. Even when the one spent 17, people didn't expect them to. Mm-hmm. Always chaos in the FA. And since then, all the managers they've had has had um, problems with pay and like problems with like, basically financial issues in the squad. I think the worry for Guinea now is that Gerasi was Gerasi limped off that friendly game against Nigeria. Then there is like a kind of struggling on his feet. And they're going to be in that corner whereby you bring in a you bring in a half, you don't want to bring in a half. But on the other hand, this is the guy who has scored 17 goals in 16 games for this Liga. I cannot afford to leave him out because if you go to deliver firepower and then you get out after three games, it will be like, I see you get us. brought him up. And I think the thing we're even overlooking is Gambia itself because Gambia is very, very good. Very good. And they are not going to be favorite against any of these. So it seems like a lot of there will be no pressure on them. A lot of it was there, and if they start well, like if they get a shock, it's like a shock, you know, like an impressive during their first game. All better off, like basically all better off for them. So they are in their Um, so the so the first group, Group D, the 2019 champions are here. Like the Algerian national team, you always expect them to compete. You always expect them to show up. The North African teams have this way of, whether psychologically, mentally, physically, they have this way of always competing in tournaments. And the Algerians do not boost in the past squad at all because the admirers looks like the Saudi Arabian league has been off for a while, so it's not as if oh, it's coming from a Man City side where he has played and played and played throughout the December period and is a bit exhausted. No. You know, it's well rested coming to the tournament. You have Adam Munas of Neil, there's Islam Slimani, Yusuf Yusuf Bilaili, Icham Budawi of Nice is another player to watch out. Absolutely outstanding midfielder for what is finished. Faris Chaibi, the young midfielder as well, who plays his football in Germany, is another one. Usemawa of um, Roma, Ismail Benassa, Benassa, AC Milan's Benassa at the base of the midfield, um, Linz Bentaleb. Like Rami Bessibe, uh, Baini at, at, at the back, Ryan Itnuri, Yusuf Atal, at least Yusuf Atal can play normal club, uh, normal national team football. If he can't play club football because he's defended Palestine and stuff like that, but it's going to be a good addition for Algeria. 
like the Algerians on paper look very good and on the field and have a way of bringing it to the field as well. Yeah, they they definitely have a strong squad. You could argue they probably have the strongest squad this tournament. Because of players like especially with combination of players like Mawa and Amin Kuiri, who are like using the examples. I think a bit like Nigeria, the problem for Nigeria is at the back because like yeah, like first board number one and ball is not going to be because of injury mm-hmm. and Algeria likes to play Atala and as super and Atala and Aero are always going forward, going before, mm-hmm. which is a problem That's in the zone. And then consider the fact that the people that they use, the people, um, the players of Algeria use as mixed center back are Pensabaini and Mandi, who, who are very, very slow. So they don't want to get caught on the field, especially when the tournament gets into the like, business stage. They can probably get away with stuff like this in maybe games against the maybe games or even like so I said I said games in like against Bokin of Fast Andre when stuff gets into like quarterfinal stage whereby they need a tighter base, like a more solid base that strategy won't work. Maybe maybe then Probably have to start deploying better by any as left back, and we have to ditch at Nuri because the Gongo approach, in, honestly, in Afcon, it has never worked. It will get you flooded. Like, it seems like Guinea has done it in the past with people like players like Kamara Fast, and you know, like, we were so excited, we were thrashing favorites 3 0. When you get to the business end, you won't get from going forward anymore because the game will start becoming 1 0, 2 1, that's it. And Algeria still looks like they look like a play two one game. No, especially well, not anymore anyway. So I think that's their worry. The good thing they have is that they have players who are like who can change games individually, especially Mares, Awa, Guiri. Like that's the proper. I think I think Guiri misses out because checking out their checking out their final list now. I know you switched allegiance to Algeria and has featured for the team, but I can't find him on the final list of the AFCON. He was probably injured for Ren. And he probably be injured for Ren because on paper, there's a lot of options for the Algerian national team. Same as Morocco, but more Morocco later. But for Burkina Faso in the group, because when you have Algeria, Mauritania, and Angola, this is not the Angola of 2006 that posted some players that would. Keep you at the edge of your seats or something. This is probably an Angola side that is just trying to get back to what they used to be. And for Mauritania, no one is expecting them to pull down any trees. But for Burkina Faso, Bertrand Traore, Abaka Utara, Jibril Utara, um, Isa Kabori, Edna Tapsoba, or Vali Vakusin. Like, the, this is a team that, yes, we know that they got to, I think they got to the finals in 2013. I think they got to the finals again, or the semi finals again in 2017. They, they have they have a way of showing up at, at AFCON and doing well. And when you look at what they have, at least you'd expect them to at least make it out of this group. Oh, they should get out of this group. Not just the fact that they have very great um, in AFCON all of a sudden, but in 2013, four of the last five tournaments, because it's at the semi final, which is very, very impressive. Because usually the fact that this is a continent that has countries like Nigeria, Cameroon, Senegal, Nigeria, Egypt. Yes, they want constant. 
flutter stages in popular fashion. And there's also the fact that this is probably the uh, aside Algeria and popular fashion, these are the two things that probably the other two things are probably the weakest Mauritania and respected and according to a lot of people, the team rank the only thing that is ranked lower than um, um, Angola is Mauritania. That is basically they are like 23 and 24 Angola, like a lot of Angola's um, local talent are kind of dried up, especially since the 20th century era. A lot mm-hmm. of like those policy has dropped, and so now it feels like they are in a point whereby. Yeah, if you get a win in this group, it's fine. If you get out of, uh, of this group, the mirror, this is probably one way you look at it. Where you look at it, you'll be like, okay, yes, this is a group whereby only two probably be best of this. Unless yeah, when Angola and Mauritania play the group for it, and try to rack up goals. Um, a team that always surprises me because when you look at Group E, you have Tunisia, Mali, South Africa, and Namibia. Tunisia, there's since 2004 there's no there's no jaziri there's no um taibi there's no player that you look at and go oh my god oh my god they have this guy that would but the tournament starts suddenly the tunisians look like a, a, a compact unit they're playing well for each other and next thing you know oh they're in the quarterfinals or they're in the penalty shootout to the semi-finals against someone and you're like how did they get there like where the players nobody has six goals or five goals but they, they just seem to have these units because i mentioned in 2022 where they eliminated nigeria in the second round there was nothing about that team that said oh they're going to defeat, they defeat nigeria they barely made it out of the group stages but they always they have this knack of okay we'll find a way around getting the result when it comes to qualifying for major tournaments so like the world cup and, and the likes if they always find a way okay we'll find a way to get it done too so for the Tunisians, it's going to be a case of yeah, we don't have the exciting players that we have, but with players like Anis Slimani that play for that play in England for Nottingham, uh, for Sheffield United, I beg your pardon, for Sheffield United, and then Naim Sleety and Mian um, Valeri of Southampton, like you can pick out three names that in Europe. For the rest of them, you're like, mm, yeah, let's see how the let's see how the fair in this tournament. Yeah, they have this habit of being like. Very unglamorous tournament. I don't think in the past in the past tournament, I don't think anyone remembers what Tunisia did. And it, it's probably good that in those very unglamorous tournament, they go to a quarterfinal. That is like it is like a habit of them. They are unfancied. Nobody really seems to notice and educate this person. And I, I I kind of want to see how the team will play without Kazi now because yeah, specific and that's why it's going to be interesting. I think the team to look forward to in this group might be South Africa. Because I know you initially mentioned the when Egypt was dominating um, the Afcon, the core of their players when, when uh, not just even teammates, they were early, like the core of their Lali team who were winning And a lot of like the core of the South African players right now are largely part of the who have a very good and they are kind of dominated. They have, they have you know, the kind of they won the last eight um, titles in a row, and they are wow. probably the media the most like consistent team appearing in the cup champions in the past five years. And the like the media was because especially when considering the fact that like the past three tournaments, I think South Africa qualified us 
what is what so there is there is a football is very good and and like they are very good they are very good with their position so kind of break which is about different so i think they are one of the things to look out for and i won't be surprised if they take this style and go forward i don't think that quite an experience if when he gets to quarter final it gets like a more straight match side again not that but in tournament where there's always that thing plays well but means a more experience side and just be like ah we'll try again next year next year in my probably I think their strength is the fact that they're they're very compact side because when you have a team that boosts eleven defenders going to the tournament like okay we're organized we would really give the ball away we won't make mistakes That's that's one of the recipe for greatness in a knockout tournament. Just ask the Greeks back in 2004. Like if your plan is to organize, we know how to keep the ball. We, we don't make too many mistakes. We hope that yes, the absence of life foster or of um, Bonnie's life foster is a big deal because his 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 killer instinct up front would have been a plus. But we'd expect all forms of creativity, to, especially up front, to come from Esetau. And that unity of okay, we all play together. Majority of us play together in the local league is a plus for them. But I think their biggest strength for the South African national team is going to be the fact that okay, defensively they are very very organized and very very solid. Then in the same group, in the same group here as well, if the Malians can transmit the the quality and solidity they have in the middle of the park, because when you have a midfield as boost of Adama Traore, not the Adama Traore that used to be of works, no. The other one, Amadou Idara of um, Leipzig, Yves Bissouma, Rubaka Traore of um, Wolves, then Diadi Samaseku, um, Lassana Koulibaly and Mohamed Kamara. Like, it seems like for the Malians, the way, the best way, the best form of defense is ensuring that nobody breaks down the middle of the pack. And in defenders like um, Amari Traore who plays for Real Sociedad in Spain, as well as uh, Mamadou Fufana and Falai Sako. The, the Malians have a lot of compactness that they can boast of. It's just a bit disappointing for them that they cannot... A lot of pressure is going to fall on players like Seku Kuita in attack to get the goals, and that might just be their biggest disappointment in this tournament. Yeah, I, I think for me, I think the, maybe perhaps the biggest signal is going to be like, playmaking in the final so It's just like... Mm-hmm. Like they're like I think they're like the midfield equivalent of what Nigeria have in terms of like too much strikers. Seems like um Mali have a lot of like Mali have too much. Samati to be Idara, the Suma, and the Suma is basically having the best so far. The only problem is that there's no number eight class number ten to move from Samati to the Suma to Kweta. So it feels like they might have to. They have to, for instance, they have to play direct. They're going to bypass that midfield, which is a core strength. Anyway, it just feels like the kind of thing that will play very well, and maybe get knocked out in last season because of final. One thing they are good that they have for them is that Mali is very seasoned. Like, if there's probably one team opponents do not want to play in the tournament, Mali, but somehow they will find a way. Like there's this stubbornness, even with uh, like. They translate in like different generation of players from Kanutis to the Kitaira to the Abatis now to Samasekwa and like there is always that stuckedness. 
which always makes them an, like an interesting opponent for if you look at um on, on to group f if you look at the names of players that are either not available for morocco due to maybe change of nationality or one problem because brian diaz said yes to morocco at some point i was going to challenge from spain and i think the spanish f started to blackmail him or something then you probably would be at the tournament then you'll talk of sofian diop of nice showing up as well absolutely fantastic player for nice when you look at those players alone that are supposed to come into the Moroccan setup, it gets you excited. When you don't see them there, you'll be like, ah, are you sure? Then when you come and check the team that has gone to the tournaments for Morocco, you wonder, oh my God, and there's more? Because Achaba Kimi, Naef Aged, Nozem Mazrawi, uh, Mohamed Chibi, Chadi Riyad in defense alone gets you going, okay, there's Yazun Bonu, obviously, and Gukipa, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, who plays in Saudi Arabia. Um, Ezauzuli, Abdel Samai Ezauzuli of formerly of Barcelona, one of for Betis. I mean, Harit has been on fire for Marseille. Azedino Naif, absolute player for Marseille. Pilale Kanush has been on fire in the Germany. Akim Ziek, yes, struggling to find his feet in Galatasaray, but we all know the quality he possesses. Um, Mikael Richardson is the biggest surprise for me because I see him play for runs, um, start the runs every week in French. I had no idea, in the French league, I had no idea it was Moroccan. And when I saw the their team sheet and I went, oh my god, you mean to tell me that Mikael Richardson is also Moroccan? There's Sofian Bufal, there's Man United Sofian Amrabat as well. In attack, I mean, Adli Oliver Kusin, Ayub El Kabi, Yusuf Nesiri. Like, we, we saw them play well last year at the World Cup. I said last year, two years ago, in 2022, at the, at the World Cup, and they got to semi finals, first Africa team to get to the semi finals. And all that's just left for them now is just what you're hoping and playing for Morocco is. If you bring the same energy and commitment that we showed at the World Cup, this actually gets us to the same final should not be that difficult for them. Yeah, that's always the question, like uh, transforming that international form to the continental. But after, I think, uh, right after the World Cup, um, the coach Rally Regravi was like, if we don't get to the um, actually semi final of this African tournament, I will leave. Then the form. After the work of the form got so party and the manager was like, ah, okay, maybe we're not ready to win the tournament. But Morocco have that like lack of consistency. I think the problem for Morocco was this, um, in this tournament will be that in the World Cup, Morocco were very organized, disciplined, reactive. They, I mean, they could defend like they could defend compactly against things like Belgium, Croatia, Portugal, Spain, France. In Afghan, Morocco, Morocco are going to be the team expected to attack. Um, and it showed even in 2020 and um, the Afghan ascension of the World Cup, when they were the team expected to attack, they could not and they got knocked out. I think what will help for them in this tournament is that, unlike the World Cup, whereby they relied on breaks and, and transition and proper hard work, I mean, Aris is back with the proper physical player. And they have, they have, I mean, Adli as well, the proper physical players in that team. So it's not just going to be hard workers, it's also going to be the palliative. Yes, there's some creativity now in the final third. I still don't see them going because it seems like a lot is kind of creating with that team. Like, despite the standing that they had, despite the work that they had here, um, it's something that just feels unconscious about the team, both from the coaches' perspective and even the players. I mean, I would be. I would be glad to be surprised, but I feel like they are probably the team likely to be the underperformers 
or the underachievers in this tournament? If you talk about underachievers or underperformers, you have to look at dark horses too. Because when you look at what Congo, the, the DR Congo, I beg your pardon, have uh, have been doing and what they what they can boast on paper as well, it's difficult not to see them as at least dark horses, especially in this group. Chancellor Bemba was in the Afghan team of the year. He has he seems to be playing his best football. Um, with Marseille this season, like he just looks like a different defender entirely, completely different from the one we saw at Porto and the like. Then you have um, Fuka Masuaku, there's Grady Diangana, there's Gaia Kaputa in the middle of the park, there's Tiobo Gunda as well in the middle of the park. Then in attack, if you can boost of players like um, Yuan Visa of Brentford and Cedric Bakambu, who definitely knows how to find the back of the net, as long as uh, there's uh, Simon Banza as well. The DR Congo national team should look at it and be like, okay, if we take it one step at a time, we do not, um, no hype, no additional focus. If we just take it one step at a time, we should at least make it to the next round and fancy our chances from there. Yeah, they should. And they said that they have Mr. Uh, Bassad de Sabri, like, he put with actual longevity, which is honestly quite rare. On the, on the continent, I think he has been just about 20 and like he keeps that team together, which is quite tough because despite the quality of players they have, like, talent, the talent pool has kind of dried up because like, the money, the, the money they have always have dried up. Um, it seems like people imagine are no longer like the big hitters in factor dosing, and they can't produce those quality players locally mm-hmm. to, to the national team. But I still think, the, but the core of the core is still very. They have a very good manager, and they are going to be in a group whereby, like for the other teams, Morocco is the cup final. But Morocco are the record breakers who go to the well, first chance to go to the World Cup semi final. I think that would take the spotlight off yeah, DR Congo for a bit. And I think one thing that works for them is that if they get out of that group, every game they play to however far they go to feel like a bonus. Like, nobody go to oh yes they have to they have they have to be the one to get to which is which is especially in tournaments football it's always a boost. Like, you, you don't have to be this, you don't have to overhit everything. Basically it's a free and Jal Congo actually good this thing. Um I think for the um Zambia to find themselves in a group with Jal Congo and Moroccan a lot of pressure falls on the um, at the feet of uh, Patsendaka, Leicester's Patsendaka. Um, he has to somehow provide the goals in a team that doesn't have a lot of creativity in the middle of the park. Other than, okay, Lamek Banda of Leche is an exciting winger that you expect from the left wing to provide a lot of courses for Daka. So for the Zambia national team, it's a case of, okay, we might not be able to repeat the trick of 2012. We don't have that call, that, those kind of players anymore. But a few bounces here and there, a few good touches here and there, and who knows, you might just pull up an upset against either Morocco or DR Congo. Yeah, I don't even think they are definitely they are even looking at repeating any trick of 2012 because in the one tournament in 2017, we've been only two after tournaments. And both of them, they've gone out in the group. I think the plus for them is that, unlike, like, that a person that guy is finally starting to find form at Leicester, and B is in very, very good form. As 
something. Just five and five. Zambia community this tournament. So the only problem is that those that five and five is qualifying against lower quality What happens when it starts when it plays Morocco and there can go? And they actually actually need supply. I think where the problem is, I think I don't think um, getting out of this group will be too much of an ask to Zambia, especially in fact that especially the fact that these teams can't go through. Mm-hmm. And you have Namibia to de- you have the Tanzania national team to deal with. So yeah, like I think getting out of this group will be an achievement. I don't think again they will go any further. At, at best, they play four games. Um, you know, you know, begs the question of okay, six group, twenty-four teams, second round, quarterfinals, semi-finals. If you're a betting man, what, what are the four teams you would at least believe? This is not even a case of okay, who do you think is going to win it now? This, what, what are the four teams that you would pick on paper and be like, okay, I expect to see this four come the semi-finals. <laughs> And I think it's probably like this Afghan for Afghan, I think this is probably like the hardest. Afghan is probably the hardest tournament where it's hardest to pick. So, yes, these are, who are, the, these are the teams I see to that will get maybe to semi final or final. But if I have to pick, I'll say Ivory Coast, Senegal, Egypt, and South Africa. But I really, really like South Africa. Maybe I think wow. those four. Maybe. But I have a question for South Africa and then maybe bring in Cameroon because I'm going to see how terrible this tournament And they are very capable of being absolutely terrible in the dressing room and yet still find their way to the final. And I'll say this for I just feel like Morocco has to do something different. Like, you really have to, like, they have to do something different this year. This is a chance to show that, okay, whatever it is that happened at the World Cup, at the end of 2022, it's not look like on paper the players are there. Um, it seems like you finally found the right manager after years of trying, whether it was foreign managers or managers that had experience in countries in the, in the continent of Africa as well. Like it has to be different this year. And another thing, you really can't bet against the Algerians. Like once the Afghans thing comes into play, they just look like a different thing. And it's not to the summer, the weather is not extreme, the weather is going to feel good in um, every coast. And like it's really, really hard to bet against the Nigerians. It's just hard to this way of doing it. For Nigeria, it's a case of imbalance, like on, on awareness over where your professional goalkeeper is going to be. For a shaky defense to have an uncertain goalkeeper is just a bad recipe. Like, oh, and lack of protection from the midfield due to the assets of the in DD. As much as you can say, okay, uh, Franco Yeka is more of a, a ball winning midfielder, should be able to offer some sort of protection that NDD does. He's not NDD. And the regular game time is not irregular for Brentford as well. So I think that's where the Nigerians miss out on it. And on home soil, on an African continent, where you have exciting players like Jeremy Buga, Simon Adingra, Karim Konate, not even Sebastian Hala, who is experienced. Karim Konate is a very young, exciting talent, and Seko Fufana in the middle of the park. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, the Africans, the Africans will take some stopping. Like they will take some stopping. Like it's even if you stop them, you will know that okay, it was some sort of game. I had we played some unless they decide they, they show up, come this weekend and they shoot themselves in the foot. It's it's really going to be difficult to stop them. Anyway, um, yeah, they, they look very well. Like they look like, like the best. Yeah, like. 
they, they, they should take some stopping. And for the defending champions, because like Salah Ferguson will tell you, sometimes it's difficult to play against the defending champions. But the, the guys of how you see it, I just feel like a lot rest on the form, like age catching up with Kalidu Kulibali in the middle of the park might not really help Senegal this time around. Because yes, for the Baloture left back, Yusuf Sabali right back. Unless you just decide that okay, you know what? Thank you, Kulibali. You might just go with Musa Niakate and then Abu Diallo in the middle of defense. And that is that is even a stretch for the for the Senegalist team to do. But their youth their youth should be a plus, especially in the middle of the park. A lot of energy, even Ampalis Mendy in the middle of the park alongside Jusage. They have they have the blend that the Malias cannot boost off. They have the players that can they have the craft and dial to create, as well as midfielders that can protect, defend, win the ball back, and allow their forward players to. Everything all boils like, everything boils down to the fact that an exciting tournament is coming, like it's really really coming, and I'm excited to see how this pans out. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, me too. And I feel like one thing to note that despite all the different situations. The mantra for Afcon is still the same. It's, a lot of it is not logical. Just yep. big vibes after because by next I use by next I use some amateur footballers who have been like the seventh position of the club and they start dominating the midfield against maybe Tema One. It's always it happens like that. Like it's always so funny when you suddenly see a left back or a right back making Sadi Mane look like an ordinary player. If you're wondering. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, like, like for instance, like Equatorial Guinea, um, like Emilio Oso is a, he's a, he's in third division also in, in at the right back. In Equatorial Guinea, mm-hmm. he's an attack and he scores, like he scores goals. Yes. Like, it is not supposed to make sense. It's not how it does. Uh, it's, it's not going to make for an exciting watch starting this weekend or Saturday. I think. The opening game is, is between the Ivorians and Guinea Bissau uh, on Saturday night. Then Nigeria squares off against Equatorial Guinea. Hopefully, Pesero football 4 to 4. Because what really surprises me is that I know, you know, the Equatorial Guineans know. Everybody who has went to the tournament knows that Pesero is going to play 4 to 4. And he's not going to change it. Like I, I it just, it just, it amazes me. Like it, I just lost my words. I have to describe it. Um, I'm afraid that's all we can take for tonight, guys. Kuli, thank you so much for being here. Um, so our listeners, please stay tuned. We'll be diving in and discussing more as the Afcon content, as the Afcon tournament, I beg your pardon, continues to proceed. We're excited to see how the Nigerian national team performs. Hopefully, the zero ball can surprise us, and who knows? With us, he finishes as top scorer, but. I do not share the belief of Mikel Obi when he says, Oh, don't worry, Nigeria is going to be the champion and also maybe they have done a bit. I do, I definitely do that. I really think that she laughed at that. I honestly, I've pressed my mind for one point after three games. Calculator. As long as there's no calculation, I think I'll be fine. It's the calculation that gets to me. All right, guys. Have a lovely weekend, everybody. Yeah, see you next time.